Today is Easter Sunday, and that is why I have a blazer on today. <laughs> Thought I'd dress up a little bit, and it's even got patches on the sleeves. Very, they're suede, they're nice to rub. But to bounce it out, I do have a hole in my jeans, okay? So, gotta make it a little bit. But today is Easter. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give God praise for raising from the grave. And because he rose from the grave, we have assurance that one day he will raise us up as well. And we have eternal life because our God de defeated death in the grave. Praise the Lord. But today we're going to look at Jesus on the cross between two criminals in Luke 23, 39. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Check this out. And he said, Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Have you ever thought about that thief on the cross? About how an ex-con man, after living a life of selfishness and sin, asked God's son for eternal life? It's not very hard for us to imagine him asking that favor, but it is a little bit unbelievable that Jesus granted that request. But as crazy as it sounds, it's true. This man deserved hell in every sense of the word, but instead got heaven. This criminal that perhaps had never even once said grace, that day he received grace. Max Lucado tells a story that you might also find unbelievable. There's a couple of prowlers that broke into a department store in a big city. They entered into the store successfully. They stayed long enough to come and do what they needed to do, and they escaped unnoticed. But the unusual part of the story is this, that they took nothing, nothing at all. No merchandise was stolen. Nothing was broken. Nothing was vandalized. But what they did do was ridiculous. They changed the cost of everything in the store. Price tags were swapped, values were exchanged. They took the tag off a $400 camera and placed it on a $5 box of stationery. The $5.95 sticker on the paperback book was placed on an outboard boat motor. You can pick up 12 of them, right? I don't need a boat motor, but I'll buy one for that price. But they repriced everything in the store. And this is a crazy story, but the most insane part is this. The store opened as usual. The employees went to work. Uh, customers came to shop, and everything functioned as normal for four whole hours. For four hours, no one noticed what had happened. Some people got the deal of a lifetime, but other people got ripped off. And somehow, no one noticed for four whole hours. And you may find that story hard to believe. But you know what? We see this happen every single day. This world that we live in has its values all messed up. We see the most valuable things in the world peddled for mere pennies, and the cheapest bunch of wickedness goes for millions. Lawyers all over this nation defend the idea that we should not confuse business with ethics. What does that mean? It means that if it's 
It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. All that matters is if it makes us money. Cigarette companies don't care if they kill you. Liquor store owners don't care that it, that dad that just bought a, a bottle of whiskey drives home and hits a van full of children. Pornography makers don't care if they ruin a family. See, what this world values is so messed up. The price tags are all changed. We elevate our bodily needs and we trash our very souls. But why has this happened? How did we get here? Why are our values so confused? We don't have to be a philosopher to understand that someone has convinced this world that the human race is headed nowhere. The world believes that man has no destiny. See, somewhere someone planted in our heads the idea that life has no meaning and that we're all just alone for a ride in this world that spins with no destination. They say we were created on accident and that humanity has no purpose. And in their world, we're born, we live, we die. We're born, we live, we die. It's the circle of life. That's a pretty sad way to live. We've also been told that man has no duty. Since man has no destiny, therefore he has no goals or guidelines. See, rules don't apply to us, and we might as well do what we want. There's no reason to better ourselves. What's the point of working hard? We have no destiny. Who's to say what's right and wrong? Who who are you to judge? Who says a husband can't leave his wife and two and four-year-old children to go and find a younger woman? Who's to say that I can't abort a baby? I was watching a program about the Holocaust, and it was telling how the German people stood by and let the German government murder those poor Jewish people, burned them, dismembered them, buried them alive. How could they think that that was acceptable? Well, they were convinced that Hitler had told them that the Jews were less than human. I also watched another program on slavery, and it depicted the slave ships that would bring those poor people across the ocean. Conditions were terrible. People were starving. Disease was rampant, and they were filthy and dirty and cold. Why were we able to turn a blind eye to that? Because someone had convinced us that they were less than human. See, slavery is not just a national shame. It's a shame on the church as well. How could we have gone along with treating people made in the image of God like this? In the same fashion, someone has convinced us that babies are less than human. If they're before three months in the womb, then we've decided that they are less than human. But how prideful and arrogant for us to believe that we can decide that a person is not human before a certain time of development. Who's to say what's right and wrong in this world that we live in today? What's wrong with stabbing people in the back to get ahead in life? Why do we have to wait to get married to have sex? We're all just animals, right? We'll just follow whatever our body tells us to do. And what this means is life is reduced to paychecks and weekends and quick thrills. That's all it is. I'm going to do what's best. I'm going to live it up now because there's no destination and I have no duty. And the world says there's no absolutes, no blacks and whites, only grays. And sadly, this describes many Christian lives as well. I'm going to tell you a story from the book of Judges that you may find surprising, but it's in your Bible. And it tells of a time much like we're living in today, in this time where who's to say what's right and wrong? In Judges 19 through 21, it tells us of an account in the time of the tribes of Israel. It's a terrible story. A young woman was abused and brutally killed by a group of Benjamites. Well, outraged, a man that found this 
was, knew he needed to do something. So what he did is he cut her body up and he sent it across uh, to every tribe of Israel. This is in your Bible. You need to read it. Upon seeing this, all the tribes of Israel were furious and they wanted to see justice done for this girl. But the Benjamites wouldn't give up the murderers. So the other 11 tribes of Israel went to war against the tribe of Benjamin. And the 11 tribes basically wipe out all but 600 of the Benjamites. 600 men escaped into the woods and they survived. The 11 other tribes realized that maybe they had went a little bit overboard. Maybe they shouldn't have killed a whole uh, tribe. And they were supposed to be 12 tribes, but now they feared there were only going to be 11. So the 600 Benjamites left. They, they feared that there was no way for them to reproduce. They had no wives. So the tribes came together and they met in a city. But one of those cities that was supposed to come did not send a representative. So the 11 tribes of Israel killed all the people in that city, except for 400 virgins. And then they stole those 400 virgins and gave them to the Benjamites. But there were 200 women short, right? We can all do math. There's 600. Now there's only 400. So they tell the Benjamites there's uh, several hundred uh, women that go out in Shiloh and they dance in the forest for this festival that they have. Go and steal some women. This is a messed up story, right? Why is this in our Bible? There's no hero. There's no happy ending. There's just murder and slaughter and kidnap and abuse. Why is this story in the Bible? Well, the first verse of chapter 19 and verse 25 of chapter 21 tells us why this verse is in the Bible. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's what happens when everyone does what is right in our own eyes. When we determine what's right and wrong, people get hurt. People get abused and wounded and left out in the cold. Anything goes if there is no God. See, if man has no destiny and no duty, then ultimately human life has no value. If man has no future, he's not worth very much, no more than a tree or a rock or a spotted owl or a humpback whale. See, many of us, we can buy into these philosophies, and we would never say it this way, but what we do instead is we only value people that are pretty or that can dunk a basketball or that can make us laugh. You're only valuable if you can produce. In the adult world, you're valuable if you have a doctor at the beginning of your name or you make a six-figure salary or you drive a sports car. And value in this world is determined by our appearance and our performance. That's a pretty tough system, isn't it? But where does this system leave people that are mentally handicapped? Where does this system leave uneducated person or a, a poor person or the overweight or the elderly or the cripple or the unborn child? These people cease to matter in our world today. Let's just put them in a home, shove them into a corner. We don't want to look at them. They have no value to us. And this is what becomes of a world that denies that there is a God. If not by their speech, then by their actions. Man has no reason to live, therefore he has no value. This is what we see when the world operates under those ideas that man has no destiny and no duty and therefore no value. Value is measured by appearance and performance. That's the world's value system. But praise the Lord, it's not God's value system. You want to hear God's value system? Here it is. For God so loved the world... 
For God so loved the poor, for God so loved the cripple, for God so loved the elderly, for God so loved the mentally handicapped, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Praise the Lord, that's God's value system. Let's give him some praise for that this morning, right? That's called the gospel. See, in God's book, man's not just a circle of meaningless existence. It is a straight and narrow line from creation to the cross to eternity. Man does have a destiny. Man does have a duty. And man does have value. Praise the Lord. He wants us to accept him. He wants us to serve him and one day go and live with him. You are valuable. You are born priceless. See, this world throws away those who stop being pretty or cease to perform. Mike Tyson was once known as the baddest man on the planet. Now he's a punchline of jokes. With rock and movie stars, you just understand that eventually they're going to be used up and thrown away. Once they stop serving and pleasing me, they are cast to the side. Value is determined by appearance and performance. But think with me for a moment about the people that Jesus ministered to. That woman at the well was a harlot. He forgave her. That untouchable leper asked for cleansing and he healed him with his touch. The blind beggar was living off of welfare and he fellowshiped with him. The crippled man was living in self-pity by the pool and he made him to walk again. Jesus showed us through his life that a person is worth something simply because he is a person. Dr. Seuss said it this way, a person's a person no matter how small. Remember that crook on the cross for a minute with me. If anyone was ever worthless, this man was. If any man was ever deserving of dying, this man probably did. If anyone was really in life a loser, this guy was on the top of the list. But I think Jesus chose him on purpose to show us what he thinks of the human race. Someone who is worthless to the world was priceless to Christ. Maybe this crook knew a little bit about Jesus or maybe he had heard him preach or seen a miracle. Or maybe he hadn't. Maybe all he knew about Jesus was what he saw. A beaten and a bloody, nail-pierced preacher. His face covered in blood, his body broken, gasping for air. But something in that crook told him that, hey, this guy is for real. So he asked, not truly expecting anything in return. Jesus, please remember me. Please remember me. Put in a good word for me. And Jesus says, consider it done. Today you will be with me in paradise. Hey, buddy, you're coming with me. Why? Why? What could this guy possibly do for Jesus? What could Jesus gain from this man? This crook offered Jesus nothing. The other people Jesus healed could at least tell others about it, what had happened. But this man was in the last moments of his wasted life. He couldn't even be baptized, let alone serve God. What could this guy do for Christ? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He brought nothing to the table. But Jesus' love does not depend on what we do for him. You have value because you are alive, because he created you. You are special because you exist. You are important to Jesus. 
So the next time someone tries to pull you down and say you're worthless, you can look at them and tell them that they are wrong. The next time you want to tell yourself what's the point, you can understand the point is is that you are valuable. The next time the devil tries to switch your price tags to bargain basement prices, you can look at him and say, I am important because Jesus loves me. And an object is worth what someone will pay for it. And Jesus paid for you with his life. That's how much value you have. We don't deserve it. Even if we do things that are good, we can never possibly repay Christ for his sacrifice. We deserve heaven about as much as that crook on the cross did. All of us are swiping and signing on Jesus' credit card, not our own. He put it all on his account. But think about that ex-con man right now, walking the streets of heaven, knowing more about grace than any philosopher or any theologian. He's there right now. No one else put any value on him but that Christ did. Maybe you're here today and you feel as though you're worthless. Maybe someone's told you that. Maybe you can't stop telling yourself that. Maybe you've stopped trying and you're here today just as a last-ditch effort. I don't know what else to do, so I'm heading to church. And let me just tell you, that's an awesome way to live. You're priceless to God. He wants you to give that pain over to him this morning. He wants you to know that you have been accepted and that you have worth. And because we have worth, we have a destiny. Because Christ loves us, he went to prepare a place for us. And because we have value and because we have a destiny, we also have a duty. It is our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Christ, to go where he would go, to do what he would do, to serve where he would serve. Christ loves us that much. But he also died for the rest of the world as well. And that same worth that he has placed on us, he has placed that same worth on others. And if we truly love God, then we will love what he loves, and he loves people. Our duty is to tell others about that love and mercy that God has given us. How selfish of us to hide it. How cruel of us to keep the cure for their sin sickness a secret. Maybe you're here today and you know that there's some people in your life and in your world that you have not treated like they are worth anything. Maybe you've been cruel to them. Maybe you've put them down. You cut them with the things that you say. Maybe there's some people that you just plain ignore and act as if they're invisible. You work with people that this world deems as worthless, that this world sees no future for. Nursing homes are filled with the valueless in the world's eyes. Neighborhoods are filled with people who are deemed hopeless in the world's eyes. Countries are filled with people that are dying without ever knowing the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. So what are we doing to tell the world that Jesus loves them? Giving to charity and giving to missions is great, but it should never take the place of me personally telling others about Christ. See, the Bible is filled about what Christ did, but also what Christ does. It's not only about how he moved, but how he moves today. It's not only about how he spoke, but how he is speaking today. Our God is not dead. He has risen again in victory. Let's stand our feet and bow our heads. I know this isn't your typical Easter message This is what the cross means 
This is what resurrection means to us. That our God, unlike any other God that's ever been dreamt up or thought up, our God came to us. Instead of being this Greek God that we have to try and appease with sacrifices and, they, and he comes down and he takes virgins and does what he will with them and he's always angry at it. No, our God came to us. In fact, it's a God so unbelievable that no one could ever possibly make that up. With every head's bowed and eyes closed. You may be here today and say, sometimes I feel worthless, but I'm going to give that over to God right now. I'm going to accept that I am valuable to God and that my life means something and has a purpose. And because of that, I'm going to try and make a difference in this world. Because I've figured out my value, now I'm going to see the value that God's placed on others. And because I know the love of God, I've got to tell others about the love of God. Maybe today you want to make a commitment that I'm going to find those people that the world says are cheap and has no value, and I'm going to let them know that they are priceless and that they mean something and that God loves them. See, this problem in the world we have today with suicide is simply a byproduct of a person believing that they have no worth. They need to know that they are valuable, that Christ paid the price, and that he loves us. The greatest thing that we can do is let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Mr. Rogers said that. No one looking around, every head's bowed. A personal time on this Easter Sunday between you and God. Soak in what we talked about. Meditate on what God spoke to your heart about. See, Jesus loves us, and he loves this world. And if you love him, you'll love what he loves. And Christ loves people. He loves them so much that in Romans 8, 38, it tells us that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, nor present things, nor anything to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that you can do to cause God not to love you. There's nothing that you have done that can separate you from that love of your creator. God loves you. You are valuable. You have a destiny. And that destiny is heaven or hell. And it's your choice to accept what Christ did on the cross for you or to reject it. And you have a duty to glorify Christ with your life. That's what each and every one of us are made to do. And you have value, not because of your works, but because of Jesus. Let's go and tell the world that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again to pay the price for their sin. And they are valuable because of what was paid for them. If you're here, maybe for the first time, Maybe you've never come down to an altar. There's nothing magical about this. This is a place of surrender. It's a, a place where you say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just need to go and I need to bow before my God and just thank him for what he's done for me. As the musicians play, the altar's open. We've got a lot to be thankful for. 
our God rose from the grave. 